This is the Historian's Podcast, and I'm Bob Cudmore. We welcome Carol Kemen to the program. How are you doing, Carol? Just fine, Bob. Thank you very much. Carol Kemen has been the Tompkins County Historian since the year 2000. Before that, she taught local and Cornell history at Cornell University in Ithaca and local history at Tompkins Cortland Community College. Carol has written on doing local history, Zen and the Local Historian, and other articles for History News, the Journal of the American Association for State and Local History. She's the author of three books of Cornell history and several books about Ithaca and Tompkins County. And she's written a newspaper column about local history uh, since the late 1970s. Would you say your, your career has been in history? Well, just about, yeah. Um, but I'm also a mother and a wife and um, a community member. I hope a good one. And I think That's being a community member is part of being a local historian. How did it happen that you started to write about local history? I can't exactly tell you, except I think there was no one there. And I had moved to Ithaca with my husband, who was teaching American history at Cornell. And I think people assumed that if he was an American historian, so would I be. And I had studied American history, but I certainly was not a professional historian. So um, I was asked to, to help out and write a small pamphlet, which I did. And um, I began teaching it at TC3, which is our local very good community college. Um, today, I'm the county historian, and many people, even people who appoint county historians, don't know what they are or why we have them. And we have county historians because the state law in 1919 mandated that every community with 400 people would have a municipal historian. And that was, was for a number of reasons. One, the Civil War veterans were dying off at that period, um, those who had not died earlier. And there was a lot of interest in the Civil War veterans, so material was being collected about them. But the institution of, this, of the Municipal Historians Act was really about documenting World War I veterans who were just then coming back from Europe. So World War I was a very much an impulse for the state to have municipal historians. By the 1950s and 70s, it was decided that there should be a head historian for each batch of municipal historians in a county. So they mm -hmm. started the program of having a county historian who is a county official. And I was appointed in 2000, and I've been very happy to, to be playing this role. Um, it gives me a chance to answer questions for the people in my legislature. gives me a chance to um, insist, suggest, whatever word you want to use, um, setting up commissions so that we've had a very active Civil War Commemoration Commission. Um, and, and, and we expanded that from um, the interest of excuse me, some of the old geezers uh, who wanted simply reenactments um, to honoring the four women from Tompkins County who went to nurse during the Civil War. And we erected a very moving monument on the TC3 campus 
where there is a very fine nursing program. And so on the campus, there are four more than life-size silhouettes of four anonymous women. They don't represent each woman, but they represent the women from the North who went to, to nurse during the Civil War. And there were more than 20,000 of those women in 1893 when the federal government finally recognized that they had been in the war and deserved pensions. It's sort of the beginning of the Civil War is the beginning of a real pension system, which really has developed into what is quite wonderful today, our Social Security system. So that was one thing we did, the Civil War Commission. Then, because Tompkins County was founded in 1817, we had a Bicentennial Commission that is still going and has done a number of very nice things. So that's one of two of the things that County Historian does. Some of the other things are are things like um, gathering together all of the municipal historians once a month, and we talk about problems that come up. I bring documents in and say, what do you think of this? And we talk about the documents. Um, we talk about uh, what it is we can do to provide for our counties. And my interest really is in having those municipal historians have projects that are worthwhile that they can take back to their towns or villages and give them to the towns and villages to show not only what the history is, but also what they can do for the towns and villages. And I think that's important. So Mm -hmm. those are the kinds of things I do today as county historian. We're talking with Carol Kemen, who's county historian in Tompkins County. Let me go back uh, to... um, uh, or maybe a little side trip over to Cornell. Um, It's interesting that your husband uh, is a professor at Cornell. What what is his name? Um, My husband is now dead. His name was Michael Kamen, and he wrote um, something like 32 books, uh, won the Pulitzer Prize, was a wonderful teacher, great mentor to a lot of graduate students. And when he came here, he said, I love this place. And um, we have been here ever since. Um, Mm. And what he loved about Cornell was the fact that it has wonderful students, um, some difficult, but all wonderful one (laughs) way or another. Um, He also thought his colleagues were just a great group of people, and he adored the library and all of the people who work in the library who make possible the research, the kinds of research that we all do. Mm-hmm. Well, again, I'm, I'm sorry for your loss, but I know that your association with uh, Cornell uh, was pers- personal as far as you were concerned. I mean, you you taught there as well, as I understand it, Ta- talking about Cornell history or teaching also about uh, local history. I was asked to start to teach local history, and I realized that what the students didn't know was anything about Cornell's history. And Cornell's history is exceedingly important in terms of how our modern research universities have developed. So um, I taught a course on Cornell history and put in a lot of local and and regional history as much as I could. Um, But I found that in teaching Cornell history, there there were sort of three things I tried to do. One was I tried to get the students to read about Cornell history. 
And sometimes getting students to read is not easy, even good students. Um, I got them to write about, or to, to research about Cornell history. And then the third thing in the class that I did that I'm very pleased, and I'm not sure how I started it, but I had them each keep, <clears throat> I had them go to the archive and see old scrapbooks. And as you know, scrapbooks are compilations of um, wedding announcements and pictures of people who are not identified and 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 fla- pressed flowers and they're and they're charming but they're not very specific so you really they're not great historical documents mm-hmm. by and large and sorry so what I had my students do was keep a scrapbook of their semester and they could put in an object i.e. the topic sentence, and they had to write an essay. And at the end of the semester, I got the scrapbooks. And each semester, they would hand them in, and they were absolutely the most marvelous pieces of historical documentation I've ever seen. They obviously were self-selecting. They're not going to tell me about their sex lives. And in fact, I told them I didn't want to hear about their sex lives. Um, right. Some managed, but 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 that was not the goal. The goal was really to have them reflect on their experience while they were in the class. So they would put in things like the drink bracelets you had to wear if you were eligible drink to drink at a fraternity party, or they would put in um, uh, a poster of a of a lecture they went to, and this gave them the prompt. To then work, um, to work up an essay about these things. So at the end of the semester, I would take the 17 scrapbooks to the archives, and today there are 437 scrapbooks from my students, and they contain all sorts of wonderful materials. And there was no format; they could do anything they wanted. So one young woman watercolored her entire scrapbook. Another young woman um, handed me her scrapbook in her backpack, and in it was, uh, there was a plastic banana, because she always took a banana every morning from the from the cafeteria. There was a water bottle, and then there were all her essays from all her classes. So it's a wonderful compendium of what this young woman did during class. Mm. There were also was- a couple of very sad scrapbooks Um, and they were sad because people wanted to memorialize things that were not happy and I thought that was also very smart one young man was a runner he fell down and abraded his arm and another young man came up and wrapped his arm in his in his t-shirt that he took off his back and that young man died two days later so my young man, whose name was David, brought the the T-shirt in and said, this is part of my scrapbook. That's a very moving, potent thing, both for the university and for the student and for other students. So all of the scrapbooks are there, and my students can, can go back and look up their names in the card catalog or the online catalog, and they can go back and visit them. And often they did, as they were seniors, they would go back, but now they're bringing their children to see their scrapbooks. So it was a Mm. wonderful project. Um, 
so teaching Cornell history was lovely, and it took me into um, into into writing about Cornell history. Um, the library asked me to write a history of the university, which is called Glorious to View. And then I did a history that's, that was really difficult and great fun. It was called Part and Apart, and it was about the black experience at Cornell, how black students first came here, what they did, how they were welcomed, what the problems were being a black student here. Um, and that's a charming book. And then the third thing I did for Cornell was called First Person Cornell. And that is a book that begins the first day that Cornell opened. And a young man sat down on his desk, on his bed, I'm sorry, he didn't have a desk, and mm-hmm. wrote a letter home. And the letter home is the source letter would write if gone some strange place. It's a travel letter. Here I am sitting in the room. It's 18 by 17. The ceiling is high. This is the food I'm getting. It's a wonderful account of a school that had started, and as Ezra Cornell said, it was only the beginning. So hmm. so teaching that was lovely, but I retired some years ago. You did. Let me go back uh, to the, the county historian theme, and our guest is uh, Tompkins County county historian. Um, let me ask you directly, uh, are you paid for that job? <clears throat> well, that's, that's a really interesting question. I am paid. I am given um, a stipend from tourism money of $7,500. But I have just completed for the state historian a survey of all county historians in the state and borough historians. So that's a group of about 73 people. And I got 31 responses, which I thought was pretty good. And I've written a report. I could even send it to you if you wanted. It's called On the State of the States, County, and Municipal Historians. And in it, I talk about what the the county and borough historians do, what their problems are, what they think their great successes are, and um, their activities, and what they would need to be better at their jobs. So it's it's sort of a five-page just compendium of of their comments. It's really quite interesting. If you'd like Mm -hmm. to see it, I will send it. I know um, that the, the county historians have, um, shall I say, various experiences. The person I'm most familiar with is in the county I primarily write local historic stories about, which is Montgomery County, and you probably know her. Uh, Kelly Farquhar is the mm-hmm. county historian there, and she's also the, the records officer. I mean, this is a full-time job. I mean, there's the history right. aspect of it, but she's also uh, in charge of this great genealogical um, library, if you will, or, or well, they have information uh, that, yeah. that people use. So is, is, um, are the county historians, you know, around the, so for example, are some of them not paid? Some of them are, it's not a job. Some of them are not paid. <clears throat> Most of them have some kind of a stipend and, um, are treated as, 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 um, contractors in a certain sense. And I guess I'm a contractor. Then there are some who have full-time jobs um, that are linked to other positions, such as records management. I know Kelly, and she's done wonderful work. She's especially done some very interesting work on blacks in the area, and she's created a, a walking tour of blacks. And 
uh, and black life, and, and I think she's done some great things. Some county historians are only county historians, and they have salaries from their counties. Many county historians, according to what I got on these on these surveys, um, are very happy with their jobs. Their jobs are not well defined, which means that the person in it can define the job as best suits his or her abilities and interests. So we have county historians. I have meetings once a month with my municipal historians. Some county historians don't. They have websites. They have other kinds of meetings. Some write, some don't write. So the job is, is flexible according to the person. Um, and some, for some people who have full-time jobs, it's also added on to being a records manager or a county clerk. So they're variable across the, across the state. And the municipal <clears throat> historians, a lot, a lot of times a, a municipality, a town, or maybe even a city won't have one, right? Or they just haven't uh, followed this law and appointed somebody. Well, <clears throat> most do. I think there are 1,357 uh, municipalities, and most of them are filled. Some of them are filled by people who are volunteers. Some of them are filled by people who are the um, the daughter or the son of someone who used to do it. Um, most of the municipal historians I have met are really very dedicated to their their geographic area. They are hardworking. They answer a lot of genealogical questions, but they also clean cemeteries. They lead tours. In my county, my municipal historians work with our preservation society, which is called Historic Ithaca in Tompkins County, and they do tours, wonderful tours, of aspects of their villages or their towns. Uh, my municipal historians have all put together a book called Place Names of Tompkins County that we published a couple of years ago. And this year we all published um, together uh, as a group project a pamphlet for each of the towns in our county giving historical highlights, talking about interesting or famous or infamous people, um, and, and talking about the architecture. So um, we do a variety of things here, and I think each county historian approaches the job differently, and I'm so impressed at what good work gets done. They all need more time. They all need more resources. Some of them need offices. I just got an office this year um, that I'm very pleased to have, and I'm housed in the public library. Um, some some would like more staff. Um, I, th I think it's, it's variable, and that's probably the way it's go always going to be. Your name came up uh, when we were doing an, an interview on the podcast with Bruce Deerstein, uh, mm -hmm. the historian from uh, Albany, who has uh, written an article for the New York History blog in which uh, he just kind of reports on unease among uh, county and, and town uh, historians and, and other people interested in history about where we're going here in, in New York State. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Or have you heard about this uh, you know, issue that uh, there's some concern that New York State's not doing as much as it can to support history? I think New York, I, I know Bruce, I respect his work, I read it all the time. 
Um, Bruce and I have appeared in a couple of national magazines together in articles that, that he has organized. Um, I think we have, we have a state where our governor likes to spend money on talking about history, but the state itself, itself does not spend money on creating and making sites ready for people to visit. So we have I Love New York, on which we spent $354 million last year. I'm sorry, no, since 2011. I have an article from my local paper today right in front of me. And most of these are signs that say, visit this, visit that. But what the state really needs to do is to see that visiting a place is, is promoting a place is great. The I Love New York is great, except we need to have the sites ready for people. We need to have sites that are worth people's taking their time to go see. Um, this means they need parking, they need bathrooms, they need staff, they need good exhibits. So the state is doing the icing, but the cake is not well correct, not well put together. Now, we do have a new state historian, and I have great hopes that he will do more than just put up a website. Um, I'm hoping he will try to um, institute a history council for himself, which would give his job more clout, so a council that could go to the regents or to, to the state legislature and say, this is what we need in order to have our state history truly res re um, respected and understood and enjoyed. Um, I'm hoping that he will do some educational courses, not just a, here's the war, you know, First World War, let's look at that, but, but something that builds so that there's a consecutive sense of of education going on for all the municipal historians, and I think that would be good. Um, and I am quite deeply disturbed, as are a number of us, including Bruce, at the change that happened quite stealthily and overnight of the New York State Historical Association in Cooperstown becoming the Fenimore Museum which throws its focus behind art and art education, which is a good thing, but jettisoning the whole purpose of having a historical society that deals with the entire state. So I think we have an opportunity in this state to do great things. We have probably the best history of any state in the, in the country. Um, Ken Jackson of Columbia University talks about this all the time, but we have not developed it and we have not created enough support for the institutions that can tell the story well. And now with the loss of Nisha in Cooperstown, um, I think the, the situation here is quite dire. I also write editorials for History News, which is the Journal of the American Association for State and Local History. And my last editorial was all about the fact that I think history organizations, either town historical societies or county historical societies and a state historical society, which we no longer have, the New York Historical Society in New York City is a public unit, is a private uh, organization. It is wonderful. 
I would love to have that as my as my organization, but it really does focus on New York and the nation, and and that's probably what it should do. I think it's it's doing its job wonderfully, but that leaves everybody else without an organizing feature, and as long as the state historian doesn't have a vision or maybe permission, and I don't know how all of that works, to really become the educational leader of history in this state, um, I think we are in, in, a, in troubled times. So my interest is, is having history organizations on a local level being seen as educating, entertaining and educating the public, but drawing into their exhibits things like constitutional questions, which sort of sounds like a big reach. But, you know, if you have a, um, an exhibit on, on blacks in your county at, the, at a county historical society, you can also raise questions having to do with how black people became full citizens. You know, starting with the 15th Amendment, when me- black men were finally given the vote, And then 1917, when black women and all women were finally giving the vote. There are constitutional issues that we could be putting into our exhibits that make our our public wiser about who we are as citizenship. And I'd like to see local historical societies really be, be regarded as that third place. You know, there's home and there's work. But local historical societies can also function in this world as a place to go for information, for enjoyment, for entertainment, for education, for inspiration. And all of these things bring about good citizenship. And it seems to me that should be one of our goals. We're talking with uh, Carol Kamen, who is county historian in Tompkins County. Just a couple of minutes uh, left. I'm looking up some stuff about you online. You did a project where you recorded, you asked Tompkins County residents to record their thoughts. I think it was in 1987. Then you did it again in 1912. Uh, how did that work out? Were, there, were they thinking differently uh, in 2012 and 87? In 1988, we celebrated the city centennial. And as a project, I asked everyone in the county to record his or her day or something about their life in Tompkins County. And that resulted in a book called One Day in Ithaca, May 17, 1988. We did it again in 2013, and we did not put it into a book, but we have all those responses. We got 6,000 responses in, in um, 1988. We got about, uh, about 1,000 responses in 2013, And right now, I am organizing a group of essays by anyone who wants to contribute. There will be a judge, a panel to judge which ones go in. Essays about how people have made Tompkins County their life, how their life in Tompkins County has been organized. And so for a young woman who came here in a commune in the 1960s, she talks about commune life here, which is wonderful. And Mm -hmm. I have a librarian who's writing about how 
as a librarian here, her life through libraries. We've been talking with Carol Kemen. She is the Tompkins County historian. Uh, you're listening to the Historians podcast. If I could just put in a word for our fund drive, which is a GoFundMe campaign. If you go online to GoFundMe.com forward slash historians 2018, you can make a donation right there. Also, if you don't want to do that, d donate that way, you can uh, send a check, uh, the check made out to Bob Cudmore, send to 125 Horseman Drive in Scotia, New York, 12302. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to the Historian's Podcast. I'm Bob Cudmore.